Hey everybody, it's Lance Dawson. I'm here alongside Andrew Stewart and we're going to kick off another episode of Backstage Lowdown. This week's guest, Mark Stutman. We've talked about him in previous episodes. He is the owner and operator of Folkway Music here in Waterloo, Ontario, and he has rebuilt and repaired and serviced vintage guitars for the likes of Colin Cripps and Eric Clapton and all sorts of uh, amazing guitar players, but he's also worked on some guitars for little old me. Anyway, uh, we are going to be talking guitars, but don't worry. If you're not a guitar nerd, there will be something in this episode for you. If you like people that are passionate about what they do and also incredibly knowledgeable about what they do and can give you some insights in terms of how they've built that business, there's going to be a lot of fun to be had in the upcoming episode. Mark's also had to learn how to be an amazing photographer and how to photograph these incredible guitars that he's been working on. Anyway, we got a great episode for you coming up. Stay tuned. Mark Stubman, here he is. Brian Adams is coming to town, eh? He is. Did you get tickets? No, not yet. No. I saw him. I just saw him a couple of years ago in London. So we're just debating on whether or not not to go because you just went. I, you know, I'm the same. I saw him back in in '92. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's been a while. So I, the, I'm just debating if it's been right. too close together. I don't want to ruin the original experience. <laughs> but it's at the odds, just down the street. There. Yeah, so I know. It's very convenient. That's the allure, right? Yeah, no, very, very convenient. Yeah, I was, uh, I was going to actually send a message to one of our previous guests who has worked extensively with Brian Adams to see if he was going to be coming in and playing as a guitarist for him. Uh, that uh, uh, that, that Colin Cripps. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't done that. Anyway, uh, it just it ran through my head, kind of. Hey, I wonder if he's going to play guitar for him because I mean he's an hour down the street. Why? Why bring in another guitarist? Let's bring in the know. one that already knows my material. Maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not Brian Adams. I'm just think things going through my mind. Yeah, there you go. Um, Mark's just going to sign in. Cool. I, I probably going to have a hard out at, at uh, noon. or I think we only have Mark for about 45 minutes. That so. is actually perfect for today. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. So yeah, he lost track of time and he's uh, said he's signing on. So we should. It doesn't seeing... matter. We really didn't need him for the, the first half no. of the show anyway. I don't know. He might weigh in on some puppy names. I don't know. Nice. I, I suggested uh, Fender as just sort of like, hey, let's get the ball rolling. Sure. I'm not really serious about this. How but about Fender? It, and it and no one should really go with like the first name. And they did. And Beautiful. Uh, hey, there he is. Hey, Mark. Mark. Hey, I'm here. Beautiful. You can hear us. Sorry. Uh, sorry about that, guys. I completely. Uh, don't you worry. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. So, Mark, this is Andrew Stewart, my co-host. Nice to meet you, man. Mr. Mark Stutman. So are you in are you in Waterloo or Guelph today? What does it look like? I'm looking at oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Waterloo. This is not Waterloo. This is home. Oh, this is home. You have such extensive workshops. I'm always impressed. (laughs) Holy cow. 110 square feet of extensive workshop yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it seems it seems to get the job done it does but when you have other workshops done. to still have a workshop at home yeah to the others right. might seem excessive that's right yeah well sure. i don't know the word on the street is that luthier tools aren't cheap so when you're when you're having setting up two workshops that's a that's Point. a challenge yes it's true good it's stuff I think the challenge that a lot of people say is, oh, when you're interviewing a friend of yours, what are you going to ask him? Because you kind of know all this stuff. Right. And so my challenge is like, okay, I'm going to start asking Mark some questions that we've never talked about. Okay. But, but this is the biggest, the biggest thing that people should know is that Mark's actually been interviewed by Acoustic Guitar Magazine and Fretboard Journal. So today, this is where we put Folkway on the map. He's yeah, extending. Right. That's <laughs> right. This is it. Enough for the small guys. All right. <laughs> Right he's, he's a big shot in the states i get it but now <laughs> so you're gonna i think it we oh do we have to nine listeners or something about know. that <laughs> yeah, that's right. right exactly that's right nine. Uh, after this it'll be nine 
Uh, right. Let me tell you, my mom is super excited to hear about this. <laughs> Your mom's top <laughs> listening episodes ago. I know, I know. And our wives too. They just gave up. They you gave just got to add video, guys. Just do a I video. I know. Yeah. Look at you two hotties, you know. And- Dude, my face, is, my face is, Mark, we've talked about this. Just my face is sliding off. off my skull every day. I don't yeah, know what's right. happening. Right it's on. not good. Oh, hang but, on. I'm just going to shut this lab machine off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, maybe we could just wear wear some Halloween masks or something. Then we then know. we would be set for for yeah. YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the the best part about having uh, Mark Stutman on the show today is that he's actually been talked about many times on many episodes, talking behind his back. And uh, we talked about you with uh, Nick Russell, and we talked about you with Colin Cripps, sure. and. Uh, God, I don't know. I might be bringing up folkwind music on every single episode. I don't well, know. That's great. It's music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. You're going to be flooded, but nine people knocking down, knocking yeah, right. down your doors. <laughs> um, Including Lance's mom. That's yeah. Right. No, it's, it's it. usually it's usually Lance's wife that says you're not allowed to play with Mark anymore. <laughs> <laughs> for for numerous reasons, all hanging on a wall. <laughs> Lance's so, yeah. wife who we've never met. She kind of reminds me of Vera from Cheers. <laughs> we've nice. never met. Yeah, okay. Well played. That's fair. That's fair. So Mark's been, so Mark, just give us a quick run through. Um, I'll, I'm going to do more on the intro, of course, but uh, I just, I love the start of the one thing I was, when I was doing just sort of rereading those articles and the interviews about you, I didn't know I don't know why I didn't know this, but your did your sister name the store? She bought you the URL of Folkway. So she did she name the store? She bought. Wow, you did some homework. Look at you. Mm. Um, she bought me that URL for my 25th birthday, but my store opened before I turned 25. So Under I the name already, of Folkway. Yeah, it had already been called Folkway Music, and then she just bought me the URL. Okay. In 99. Oh, I just thought that was really really cool. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a that was a serendipitous turn of events for sure for her to do that sort of you know maybe i wouldn't have thought to have done that until two years later or something like that and then i would have missed the the early bird uh, advantage let's say yeah like i think yeah. probably about that time is when i actually signed up for my first email address right like yeah. just to give some listeners kind of some concept of what it was like back in that year not every kid on the corner had a website right. or an email address. Right. Yeah. We were, we were yeah. totally an early adopter. And then um, I've, I've always been big into photography. And, uh, and so I got into taking pictures of guitars. So our earliest versions of our website, um, as low tech as they were, they're very blog like and long and skinny, but there was lots of good guitar photographs they were way better than any other photographs of guitars on the internet and and the way our original set was written was very ce uh, seo friendly with google and we just got a lot of traffic on our little lousy you know y2k website and and that was you know that was like the springboard to ultimately 25 years now of the success of the store wow yeah that's pretty cool um, yeah. I was actually going to say it, it's it's interesting that you're not like I would I would say you're I, I'll say one of the best because it's I, maybe it's arguable but I think Mark's probably probably maybe one of the best of the not the best luthier in in Canada but um, you've had to be not only a luthier and a craftsman but also like you said like learning how to photograph these instruments as well right to to promote the repairs and promote the store yeah for sure so. um, yeah guitars are not easy to photograph because they have light tops and dark backs usually they're glossy and um the first photos that we used to do for our website i used to shoot them with my film camera um and we had like a studio lighting set up and i'd get the pictures developed and then we would scan them and then upload them and this whole yeah. process took forever and then i adopted a uh my first digital cameras uh, maybe a year or two later and but those cameras were by today's standards just terrible and they couldn't handle the dynamic range um in the image of a guitar of the bright and the dark and so you'd get these blown out highlights or shadows that had no detail and the colors were their early sort of white balance understanding was based on caucasian flesh and guitar and caucasian flesh are you know are are very different and so 
Um, and so they always <laughs> Mark's color- holding up a guitar to his face, just for <laughs> the always, listeners. They always color balanced to the top of the guitars being this color, like tennis oh. ball green is what yeah. they the camera sort of made the colors. And we would spend hour, I would spend hours photoshopping guitar color just right. to get the accurate colors. And it was terrible. And you know, about 10 years ago, photography sort of got digital photography came a long way. We got better cameras and the pictures became better and studio lighting became better. And, and so now we've got it down to a science, but the whole world's caught up and there's a lot of good pictures of guitars now on the internet. So we're yeah. just doing many, but yeah. yeah, photography has always been a big part of our. Of yeah. Our you have lots of great images of, of your guitars. Yeah. Now. We've kept them all on the website. There's, yeah. I think I've done about, I haven't counted, but I'm guessing between five and 6,000 guitars for our website over the last 22 years and um, 23 years. And they're all still there. Almost all are still there. Like we deleted some guitars that nobody cares about, like Lance's old D21, like that's gone. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're gone and Lance's old. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> Basically every, every guitar that Lance has bought. <laughs> yeah, they're all They're gone. all still there yeah, and it's a great resort. So you do a Google image search and you'll find, you know, you can find a lot of our pictures uh, when you're looking for weird and wonderful guitars. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Andrew actually does a lot of photography, so I, I'm always directing him and say, "Hey, check check this out." And but it's it's really neat. If even if you don't play guitar, um, if you're looking at just the old patina and the way these guitars age and stuff, and if you can capture that in the photography, it's so great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's actually most of our Instagram feed, which is like another I don't know how many thirty five hundred pictures, is yeah. um, was shot with an iPhone, and the iPhone as much as I wouldn't want to look at a picture blown up to, you know, 20 inches wide taken on an iPhone, it's really great for guitar photography because their software really does wonders with those high dynamic range sort of subjects. And it can really work with tough lighting situations. Um, And, uh, and so our Instagram is all with iPod and uh, I just bought a good iPod that has, you know, lens options and, it's super fun. It's great to not have to deal with the huge DSLR and all the post-production to yeah. get it just a quick snap and yeah. and upload. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, my, are, are, my, sorry. So I was going to ask you, are, are you going to tell, I would lie about this and just say, I bought this house because it sounds great and it has great lighting, but now you tell me, because you're the, the, the store itself, like you, yeah. you said, Hey, here's the store in the morning. Uh, I've seen evening shots that you put through. Yeah. Like that store photographs really yeah. well. That's all part of the design there, Lance. So we yeah. started. <laughs> That's the, right. uh, I, where's the coffee bar of the old place? I keep waiting. I know, where's right? the latte machine? You never got to the old shop, did you, Lance? Andrew no, right? no, no, I didn't get to the old shop, but I so, heard that it had a coffee machine and a couch and a cool at, 70s well, at vibe. The, at the outset, it had it had a couch and right. and coffee and, and local artist walls, little art on the walls from local artists. And, um, and we did concerts every week and, uh, it slowly morphed and the couch went away and then the art went away and the concerts became less frequent, but larger, higher ticket price events. And, um, by the end of it, like in 20, you know, 14 or whenever, um, that, that's, that store was like packed, um, and right. no room for anything but guitars. Um, but the, the new building hang on let me go back so that old shop was sort of like in a strip molly kind of building and it had windows at the front it was you know the original shop was a thousand or so square feet shoebox kind of thing with a frontage of 15 feet but like 65 deep or whatever it was and so the light was at the front and the back was dark all the time it was like a cave and then we expanded that shop in 2005 made it 3,000 square feet just took over three units like the two adjoining units. So the right. whole front was glass over, you know, whatever it was, 40 feet. And yeah. I went to feet back. And, um, and it was, again, just a bigger cave. And so when we were looking for a new home, we wanted, I wanted the old building feel. I wanted light from every direction. I wanted division of space, not just one big room. I wanted little rooms. I right. wanted the separation of the repair shop from the retail area. The old shop, it wasn't like that. It was like an open concept kitchen. And um, 
and so that's that's exactly what the the Waterloo. I looked for a long time before buying that building. Um, yeah. So now, so so what about the irony though? So you you bought the building in Waterloo that yeah. housed Waterloo Music and yeah. and Frederick is it Teal Teal? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure the like, pronunciation. <laughs> So, so of, yeah, all the, all the houses or, or commercial spaces or things that are come up, yeah. what, a, what a pedigree to move Folkway into. I know, I know. Hang on. My phone is ringing. I'm just going to decline it. I'm so sorry, guys. That's yeah, that's okay. okay. <laughs> hey, man, the where's, where's yeah. the duck? Where did the duck come from, <laughs> Howard? Um, so, yeah, there's a, it was super cool. I had no idea about that Waterloo Music Connection when we bought the building. No way. Um, it, was, uh, it was only when we started doing demolition uh, and we went into the attic space, which is it's unoccupied, but there's a stairwell up to the attic. We found all this old stuff and it was lots of music store ephemera. There, were, there was um, a lot of old sheet music and there were uh, shipping cases for like coronets, you know, wind and band instruments. Right. A um, bunch of photographs of bands and um, amongst other things. And we did some research and discovered that this, this photograph was of this guy, C.F. Tilly or Tile or however, Tile, I don't know how he pronounced it. <laughs> Tilly is how current people with that name pronounce it. Um, and, uh, and I discovered that this is where he started Waterloo Music in 1924. He moved up from, um, from, <clears throat> from Pennsylvania. He was like a Pennsylvania German uh, right. And between the wars, there was a lot of migration right. um, out of that area because there was, after World War One, there was a lot of anti-German sentiment. And right. so a lot of these German guys left to and came here because our little neck of the woods in Southern Ontario is a lot like where they were from in Northern Pennsylvania. And anyways, he's one of those guys that moved up here. And, uh, and he built the addition to the house, which currently holds our... Um, repair shop like the back part of the house okay. um, and uh, when we were demoing it to like reinforce the floors and 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 you know just make it up to our standards we pulled up the old floorboards and underneath all the thin flat oak that was there was all this newspaper they used newspaper between sort of the way we to like, insulate yeah. Yeah, yeah just like for spacing and noise and maybe some softness and all the newspaper was from 1924 and it was all Pennsylvania newspaper so he brought really? up people he knew from PA to do all the work, some wow. connection in Pennsylvania to come right. and they did all the renovation and used, they brought their own newspapers from Pennsylvania to lay under their floors. What an incredible find. It was so cool. And so then I did more homework and I discovered that this guy is the person that founded Waterloo Music and, um, and he ran it there until he died in the early fifties. He ran it for that period. And then right. I don't know how the, ownership changed but they ended up you know kitty corner to the shop they moved i think he was right. responsible for the move to the old waterloo music spot which is like 100 meters away from us right right and then obviously they took most of their stuff out of there but but it was a really cool connection so we had the picture like we have some frame stuff we have a picture of of tilly and his band on the stairwell going up and i don't That's know awesome. it was just it was neat it was a, it was a really interesting um fortuitous little discovery I yeah think. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. And now you're one of the the big Martin dealers, which also comes from Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, that is, there's no connection there except that Martin comes from Pennsylvania, but right. whatever. <laughs> so, so Mark, let me ask you a question. I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. Just your your opinion. Um, why do you think? What do you think is so addictive, or what is the allure about guitars for some of us? Because I've, I've played with some really good musicians who they just like playing guitar and they don't really, I don't know, maybe they don't chase tone like you and I, I don't know, they just don't care. They whatever, they're not as into guitar or drums or whatever it is. Then I meet other people that are so into their instruments and that stuff. What do you think is is the addiction about guitars? Um, well, Lance. <laughs> <laughs> I should let me preface this by saying that that Mark just doesn't play guitar. He plays it upside down and backwards. So for those who are, are just I think learning that's called left-handed. Is that yeah, it's called left-handed? Yeah. That's another way of saying he plays left-handed guitar, and which um, that is why he is where he is today, right? So you know what? Like yeah. in, like anything, there are gearheads with in any 
you know, in any sort of discipline, uh, you're big into outdoor equipment, right? So you might have, you know, four different kinds of stand-up paddle boards, or, or you might be into tennis and really want the latest and greatest, you know, whatever racket is, or you might be into wines and be into only, you know, wine from a certain region in, in a certain part of France. And me, I'm into guitars. Um, you're into guitars. Uh, and we I use the paddle like, boards to hide the guitars. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like uh, we like each instrument for a certain reason, whether it is just the initial um, feeling of what it looks like and uh, or what the guitar sounds like or what it feels like or or if it reminds us of this, that or the other, just the vibe. And then a big part of it, obviously, for me, is the tone. Um, okay it's like any sort of audiophile sort of pursuit. If you are into tone, you're going to like certain instruments more than others. You're going to care right. about that. You're going to like certain loudspeakers and certain turntables more than others, certain preamps. Certain, yeah, like it, it's just, it's endless, right? Guitars are the same way. It's the same stuff, you know? Yeah. And um, I think the deeper you go into it, the deeper you go further, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like the right. you start, you can't stop. And there's certain people who just don't give a crap about gear. There's, there are, you know, lots of people who just play their guitar because it's their guitar and they like it and they don't need other guitars. Um, they're not searching for the next sound. They like the sound that they have. And it's to them not about the, the, t- the tonal variation in the guitar. It's the guitar is a vehicle for self-expression and they're fine with their one guitar. For other people, it's not that way, you know? So there's yeah. all kinds. I, I just love the fact that gear, you know, we, we both love gear, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know where you're at. Cause I, I don't actually know you, but yeah, you know, a, a lot of people are about the gear. Yeah. Know, I'm a camera gear. guy and uh, I, you know, it's about the gear. It's about the gear. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that I, I don't know, I kind of get turned on a little bit because woods, like it's this living, breathing thing, you know, and, and so guitars continue to change as they get older. And yeah. so, you know, I don't know. I, I I like my mountain bike, but I'm not, you know what I mean? It's, it's a bike and it, that metal's not changing. I mean, like whatever, but anyway, guitars are just different and the patina changes and the, oh, For it just you, gets, but you know, there's a lot yeah. of dudes that want, you know, now I want a bike with 29 inch wheels because I'm tired of my 27 fives. Right. Now I want right. a dropper post or now I want wider handlebars or now I want to make it three grams lighter. So I'm going to get a carbon seat post, you know, yeah. like, there's all that stuff for guitar, for cameras. You know, you might just like maybe your F4 lens is just not bright enough and you want 2.8 yep. and just because you think it's going to make a big difference and all you get is more camera shake, you know, but you think it's going <laughs> to help you. It's going to change. You know? It's going to change everything. So it, it's, it's all perception. And in all honesty, I have a lot of guitars. Like I, I, yeah. I've sold a lot of guitars. I'm left-handed, so I don't keep as many as, as, I, as I could have if I was right-handed, but I play one of them. Like I have one acoustic that I play. I have a, I have a handful of acoustic guitars, but only one of them ever gets picked up. And that's my L-double-O, but maybe right. it's because I've, it's an apex. Like I, I haven't found something that sounds better to me, you right. know, within my budget. Like I, if I had, yeah. you know, $90,000 to blow on a guitar, I, I might replace my L-double-O, but, <laughs> but I don't. And so within the, the budgetary constraint that I have placed upon myself, the L-double-O is the one, is the one to get. Yeah. Electric's different story. I have a bunch of electrics because right. they are so different, each one of them. And I have a bunch of amps. Why? Because they are so different. But acoustics, just one. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I know what you mean about amps, but I, I kind of feel like the, um, I don't know, once you find that, like the best tone, I can't even imagine, I guess that's it. Maybe it's my lack of imagination. Like that, the the Tweed Deluxe, Yeah, I just can't imagine. I've never heard a, a Dumble. I've never heard that, but that seems to be the quintessential amp that everybody right. just, you know, but right. I just can't imagine for my ears, anything sounding better than right. an old Fender Tweed. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for your ears, right? Yeah. But- there are people who think like the that same jazz chorus is what you need. You yeah, know? right. We're all different. If we all like the same thing, there would be one kind of amplifier and there'd be a million copies of it or one kind of guitar, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But we all like different things, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, Mark, you just came back from uh, Chicago where you were, yeah. you were a guest and a speaker 
uh, for fretboard journals. So that that's just walk me through that a little bit. I know a little bit about it, but not as much. And we were all teasing back at the store that you were like Guitar Illuminati, and this was their annual it, annual. It's meeting. a fun thing. I mean, um, the uh, the summit was great. It's basically just a, it's a guitar festival, and uh, and it uh, marries builders and repair people with players, with manufacturers, with appreciators. Um, and everyone can intermingle and just sort of like geek out about guitars. So no nice. robes, no candles. Yeah, none no, of that. No, okay. Maybe there was some of that going on, you know, in, in a few of the rooms. Uh, I wasn't involved. You weren't involved in that portion, though. <laughs> I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, but there's. I mean, there's, and it was, it was. Let's call it ecumenical. It was. Uh, there's the electric guys and the vintage acoustic guys and the modern acoustic guys and the archtop guys and and you know I I can't speak deeply and intelligently about modern uh contemporary archtop guitar design and archtop builders it's not my world it's not what i've ever really i can play them and appreciate them but my world is really vintage guitars vintage flat top and flat tops in general but vintage right flat. and so i sort of congregated with the people that were also interested in those in terms of their history and their repair and their you know what makes them tick right now you've been called the uh, Gibson guy. So you were down there to talk about vintage Gibsons. Yeah, I did a talk about vintage Gibsons. I did a talk this year about some of the idiosyncrasies um, that we find in Gibsons from the you know 30s through the 50s because they were anything but consistent and it's endearing. Their, their guitars are endearing for how unique they can become and weirdness in their design and their build that makes each guitar individual. And I've always love that side of old gibsons is that each one is different you never know what you're going to find they're very not cookie cutter kind of guitars um as much as they were trying to be they just were incapable following the cookie cutter mold sort of martin was much more cookie cutter about it darn good cookies but cookie cutter and um you know i like the fact that gibsons are weird and wonderful and that they have not been studied like Martins have been studied from the get-go. There have been books written about Martins for years and years, but nobody cared about Gibsons. They weren't worth very much and nobody knew very much and there weren't very good records kept on them. So there's a lot of, there's a wealth of knowledge that is still there to be found um, with Gibsons. So it's an interesting ongoing sort of pursuit. That's That's really interesting. I didn't know that that there was such a big split between Martin and Gibson in terms of interest because gibson's sure command a good dollar nowadays now yeah but 20 years ago there was nothing you know like when we when i started buying l nobody knew anything about l nobody knew anything about the differences between the various years and how they changed over the years nobody knew that 1933 was very different than 34 which is different than 32 and some people understood okay this one's a bit later this one's a bit earlier but no one really had spent enough time um, studying them to be able to sort of clinically describe those differences. Right. That's now, right. how that how that comes into play, though, as a, as a luthier, I would imagine, is see that the thing that I find fascinating about Mark's stuff is that a lot of these guitars, it's uh, there's a lot of skill going in to build them, but they weren't really meant to be deconstructed. So over the years, if you have to do a neck reset, which means to change the angle of the neck because it's gone down or warped or whatever, you need it was an uncharted roadmap. How do you take apart something that was never meant to be taken apart and is now worth quite a bit of money and put back together so that it, it feels like it just came out of the factory and Mark does that. Yeah. That's right? my so guess. That's the challenge. That's what I do, but it just takes practice. You know, you have to have done lots of it to be good at it. And like anything, if your first ones, you, you might screw up, you might break a guitar taking it apart the first time, you know? And so you yeah. shouldn't be practicing on valuable stuff that doesn't belong to you. but once once you've gotten that practice i've probably Hmm. done i don't know five or six hundred neck resets at this point so i have a clue how to do it but it's only recently in all honesty i'm still terrified every time i take a neck off a gibson it's only recently that i am less terrified because i've seen it all at this point i feel like i've seen everything i feel like i know what to expect and i know where how to look for the clues that suggests that this, the guitar that's in front of me might be one of those ones that causes troubles. Right. Um, 
but you have to see a lot to know that sort of stuff. And so, yeah. and now that I've seen a lot and I, people are sending me their very difficult guitars to work on. And so you, you see even more, but I've had a lot of difficult guitars over the last number of years and, and I'm sure there will be difficult ones up ahead, but I have good confidence now that I can disassemble a Gibson without it breaking, <laughs> you know? There is a pile of firewood now behind you after well, all the years of working. Thankfully not. I mean, you've figured it out. I, I mean, that's the best part about it all is that there isn't that pile of firewood. Um, I could count on two fingers the number of guitars that I have like, bro like broken the heel on or done right. damage that was irreparable in, in taking the neck off. Um, right. And those all happened, you know, two decades ago. So you screw up a guitar once, you really learn not to do it again. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're, if you are in the job for the right reasons, right. you know, if you're just all about banging them together, getting it out of the door and making your money, no, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. But if, but if you were in, in this job because you love what you're doing and you love the challenge and the perfection of it, great. Yeah. Have you seen a guitar that you look at and it gives you, there's indications that this is irreparable. Like if I take this apart, it's not going back together because it's too splintered or too whatever. I don't even know the right. So I'll, that'll happen on guitars that others have worked on before. Like okay. If, I, if I'm not the first person to work on a guitar and right. someone has done irreparable damage that they repaired and hid right um sure that'll happen on a on a guitar that's never been taken apart before uh like a straight from the factory kind of guitar like untouched for 80 year kind of guitar yeah i'll get it apart there's not one there might be some troubles it might be difficult i might have to you know hide this hide that fix this fix that but it's not irreparable um yeah. you know um the trick is to maintain the finish and not have to do finish touch up and to make sure that you don't break a heel of a neck or put a crack in the side of the body and um those things happen we see it all the time um on old repairs that people just had no clue and they just broke something because they forced it as soon as you force something you break it you yeah. know it's just the way it is you just should never force things and if you know to not force things you won't break them and then you know just have the patience to put them together properly right and when you're dealing with wood yeah Forcing it. So I should tell people too that Mark actually has an extensive knowledge of all of his clients. So I get a call. I love telling this story, by the way, Mark. So if you want to just fade out for a minute, that's fine. So I get a I'll call listen. from Mark. Say, yes, exactly. You probably even heard it that Mark you called and said, it. Hey, uh, I think I, I he left. I didn't he think he actually would leave. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> he went to, if you're getting sandwiches, you got to bring some for the whole class. Right. Yeah. So I get a call. Say, hey, I think I know you were looking for a J45. I think yours just came into the store. Some guys, you know, dropped it off, and you should come down and try it. It's great. It's an old, beat up looking thing, and that's the way you like your guitars and and stuff. It's old J45. So I come down, and uh, and old old Gibsons aren't aren't cheap. But um, so anyway, I tried it. I said, this is horrible. This guitar sounds terrible, and it plays terribly. And this is awful. I don't understand. You're so good at what you do. How could I don't get it? And he goes, Well, yeah, I know, because I haven't touched it yet but it's, it's going to be great. You want this guitar? Like, so you want me to buy a guitar that I hate the sound of and plays terribly? Right. Yes, that's exactly what I would like you to do. Yeah. Because after, after I repair this, this is going to be worth millions. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Okay, fine. <laughs> so then Take it gets worse. So now I trust Mark. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it looks great. Yeah, I'll give him that. The guitar looked great. Yeah. So then he sends me photos of what I purchased in pieces <laughs> in pieces it's a crime it's scene. All of yeah it's a crime scene there's yeah. chalk outlines around it and and what he texts is i win <laughs> it's like so now talk about firewood i just bought firewood yeah. anyway the the long the it's a long story whatever the end of the story is i get this guitar it is my favorite acoustic guitar um i gig with it all the time and uh, yeah, true, true to form. He returned this as it was, as I imagine it was coming out of, uh, of where, um, Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo no? Yeah. Oh no, Montana. Or was it yeah, Montana? Well, for sure. I mean, this is, this scariest thing is taking the neck off a guitar, taking the yeah. guitar apart. And, and I know my job, I have no idea what the job is going to entail, how difficult it's going to be, how much it's going to cost, what the end result is going to be. I know nothing until I have that neck off. 
And then I know what's going to get, like once it's apart and it's come apart cleanly, I know what's involved in putting it back together. I can estimate the job properly. The, the challenge is always in the surprise during neck removal. And so that was yours. So when I send a picture that says, I win, means I got the neck off cleanly. I won, no surprises. It's smooth sailing, you know? I, f- I feel uh, like there is a bit of a sadistic sense of humor in it though. There, I well, feel there's- like there's, you're missing that part. I think you're glossing over this. For some people, you sort of turn up that kind of heat a little bit because it's fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's a good time yeah, for, for sure. everybody involved. For sure. uh, so your favorite guitar that you own currently is your L double O. What's your favorite amp, Mark? Uh, so the amp that I play the most is I have a, I've got a 68 Princeton reverb. Um, oh, nice. You know, a drip edge era. So it, it's a great amp. It just came in for sale. And I was like, I think I need to keep this. And so that's yeah. become my main amp that I use. Um, it's just the, you know, there's a reason everybody wants a Princeton. It's just the perfect size amp. Right. Um, and the reverb is heavenly. And uh, so, yeah, so that's my, that's my main electric amp now. Is that the brown Tolex? No, no, no. It, it's a, it's a silver face. So it's black. Oh, it's, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's like a black face, but just it's yeah. a year later. So they, it's the first year silver face. Right. Um, and um, I have a Gibson GA20T, which is a rare amp. That's kind of like Gibson's version of a, of a Fender Tweed Deluxe. Right. Um, except it has tremolo on it and it's maybe the nicest tremolo I've ever heard in my life. Um, and so I love that amp too. When I was, when I was gigging, that was my main amp. It's great for, for band. It's not so great for solo playing cause it's, uh, you need to dime it. You need to turn it up to get it to do what it does. Right. Um, and then I have a tweed tremolux at the shop, which is an amp I'll never sell just cause it's a big amp that is amazing and perfect so those are my three my three main amplifiers yeah so but, when yeah, that tremolux is nice go ahead andrew when you're going to uh sell a guitar or an amp um you know besides tone how much does the provident provenance provenance uh of an of a guitar or an amp actually come into play provenance meaning the previous owners provenance Correct. or the yeah. repair history provenance uh, the the previous owners previous owners it only comes into play if that previous owner had some sort of reputation that that adds value to a guitar. Um, you know, signatures generally take value out of guitars um, unless that person is signing a guitar that they're uh, intrinsically linked with. Right. You know, if, if you have a Fender Stratocaster with the Rolling Stone signatures on it, it's not going to be near worth as much as like a 50s fender telecaster reproduction with keith richards's signature on it right right so right. linking the guitar to the signature and then just provenance of ownership you know if you can prove if you can prove that someone is the original owner and there's documentation of it and they're a famous individual yeah that adds a lot of value to a guitar you know unless there there's people that have owned like a million guitars like a guy like joe bonamassa let's say he right. he's owns gazillions of guitars he's constantly buying guitars and then selling them again and and he'll sell stuff and his name will be on it there's a lot of joe bonamassa fans out there but there's also no shortage of guitars that he has owned right whereas let's say you happen to have one of bb king's lucille guitars that he owned and used that's and you have provenance of it well that's going to be a more desirable instrument Right, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Good job. Good word, Andrew. I'm I'm still stuck looking up uh, acumenical, but uh, that's okay. That's <laughs> that's fine. I, I I came into this thinking, hey, I've got a pretty good vocabulary. Now I'm over here with my thesaurus and listening to YouTube toads. Anyway, I can't pronounce them, but at least I know what they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh boy. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Mark and I had a, a chance to see uh, Jackson Brown a few years ago, and that was kind of fun. Now, Mark, you you have various ties. I know you've you've I know you're servicing uh, some famous musicians come through that store. Lots of recreational musicians, people that really appreciate fine instruments. Um, your most well, I, maybe this is well known. I know it was documented in one of the articles that I read. Your most famous client, Eric Clapton, but it's a long time ago now. Yeah, um, he bought a guitar from us 
you know, it's probably 12 years ago or 10 years ago, yeah. something like that, 10 or 12 years ago. Um, it was a beautiful Gibson uh, L1, mint, mint, mint condition guitar, never been touched from 1929. And uh, basically the same model of guitar that Robert Johnson is holding in that famous picture of, of him. Um, one of like the four pictures that are known of Robert Johnson and Clapton being a huge Johnson fan wanted that guitar. So we sold it to him then. It's only now that that guitar has reached the value that we sold it to him at. <laughs> oh, really? It was that perfect <laughs> and that clean. Yeah. Anyways, I haven't heard from them since. Yeah. And, you know, I've never seen him play it. I haven't seen him play it, but I also know that he hasn't sold it in any of his auctions. Um, I, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's been a number of sort of famous people that have bought guitars from us. No one quite as famous as that, but plenty of musicians um, that have, but they've, they're not like regular customers. They like bought right. a guitar once, you right. know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say Still it says something. Wilco is probably uh, one of our regular, more famous clients. Wilco as an entity, you know, right. Jeff Tweedy is so big. Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, Jeff is big into vintage guitars and he's constantly on social media looking at things on Instagram. Jeff doesn't call us himself. He has this fellow named Mark Goldenberg who runs their loft, which is where they keep all their instruments, who does all their buying and stuff. So we've right. sold, I don't know, six or eight instruments to them over the last 10 years or so. And uh, that's, that's always fun. And is that then, part for the course, Mark? Like, do people? Because I, I don't know. Is, uh, do people reach out themselves, or there's there's people that have buyers? Yeah, the the really high level guys don't yeah. call you themselves. They Lance, have. Do you need a buyer? They... Are you hiring yeah. a buyer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could no, do but that. how do you? They, no, they Mark talked about this. How do you know? Like, I'll, I could buy an electric online yeah. because I if I know it's a fender whatever and i you know i get it but i think it would be very difficult if not impossible i'd be terrified to buy an acoustic online right, right. So how do they i guess i guess they just trust their buyers so it's hard to buy an acoustic online and i there are not very many places that i would trust to buy an acoustic online right um the challenge is that acoustics um, are very frequently in some state of disrepair. And the people that generally sell them uh, wax over their condition flaws wholeheartedly and readily. And wow. so there are a lot of ways that you can get hosed buying an acoustic guitar online. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Our magic, the success in, the, in our business is the honesty with which we list our guitars if there are issues, they are disclosed. They're repaired, and then the repairs are disclosed. We don't sell guitars as is. Every guitar goes through There's a, the shop. There's a million photographs and the website write-ups that could be a thousand words long on a guitar. You know, we're there to make sure that every stone is turned for a buyer, so there are no surprises, and buyers are just um, happy with the purchase in the end. Now that said maybe the buyer doesn't love the sound or the feel of the guitar. And that's not something that you can describe as well. You, there's sound is so subjective. I can say it's dark or it's warm or it's bright or it's strident or it's this, that, or the other. I can describe the neck in terms of its carve, in terms of its thickness and its width, but you don't really know until you hold the thing and play it. So guitars right. do get shipped back sometime that, that have, that didn't, meet the mark but we're batting 9500 you know or whatever yeah. it is 950 yeah. um, you know it's really infrequent that a guitar comes back it's like one and it's more that's better than 950 like it's probably one in 40 guitars or yeah. one in 50 that come back for us whereas a lot of other like click to buy shops you'll see like a one in 10 return rate you know, right. even one in 10 is pretty amazing, to be honest with you, when you think about what's involved in these purchases. Oh, yeah. for sure. I Your write-ups are amazing, though. I will say that if, if somebody just wanted to learn about guitars or read, yeah. like just without going to buy a book, you can basically, I find that Folkway's website, it's like an abstract of, of guitar uh, history yeah. or literature. So I, I'll read, 
on your website, I'll read about guitars. I have no intention of buying. I just want right. to learn about, oh, that's really cool. That's that's the gig. That's the site. Yeah. For sure. um, I write all those website updates um, with an aim to making sure my salespeople know how to sell the guitar and know everything about it and have learned through the process of reading that update, uh, that listing, what the guitar is about. So right. I write them. I write them for buyers, but I also write them for my staff as a training guide. And so right. there's a lot to learn. There's there's no shortage of knowledge on that website for sure. It, yeah. it could be just copy all these things and put them in a book, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, you know what? Here's, here's the problem with this podcast, man. I could, I could chat guitars with Mark for another three hours, but I've yeah. heard he's got a job to do oh. and a career to get to. <laughs> I know, I know. You gotta it's send like, him back I, to work. I don't know. <laughs> oh, he's working at home today. Look at this guy. Tone all day. I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's a dark rabbit hole. So, Mark, I don't. I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to any of the episodes, but we always finish an episode of Backstage Lowdown with a, um, a lightning round, speed round, lightning round. That's right. So you get ten questions, and it's just a choice. You don't have to. You know, we give you the answers, but it's a really quick and can incredibly unscientific way of getting to know Mark Stutman really quickly. So Andrew does it. So uh, there you go, Andrew, have at it. All right. Let's start off with flannel or denim. Flannel. Massey Hall or, or a stadium gig. Massey. Clapton or mayor. Mayor. Ski or mountain bike. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I, I wrote that one. Seasons. I just come on, you got to pick one. Different seasons. Beautiful. Ski. Book or e-reader? Book. Vintage Martin or vintage Gibson? Vintage Gibson. Well, he's a Gibson guy. That makes sense. Defender tweeds or other amps? Oh, come on. That's a Lance question. <laughs> it is a Lance question. <laughs> you leading the Lance question. I know. I'm leading the Reddit. All right. <laughs> okay, Fender tweeds. Uh, yeah. Nashville or New York? Oh, geez. That's a good one. New York. Shoes or boots? Shoes. And last but not least, new or old? Old. And that has been another episode of Backstage Lowdown. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Mark. Yeah, sure. That's that's cool. Um, Andrew, what's your connection here? Like, are you are you a musician too? Me, I am. I'm actually just another pretty face that's along for the ride. Um, okay. Actually, I, I do a lot of music photography. Oh, okay. so that's my link to music. Uh, well, I can strum a couple chords. Sure. I by no means am an 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 aficionado. An aficionado. Fans, look yeah. that up, please. I got um, it. Got the thesaurus. I can't even pronounce that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, um, but that that's that's my link to the music world. So do you do like live live like yes. uh, gig photography? I, I, I do uh live music um and I also do some some work just with with people that will bring me guitars, will bring me amps and like work. yeah, exactly. And just uh just put together a, a just a real cool photo. Right. And is your gig, is this your full-time gig photography? No, it's uh, it's something that I do on the side. Just a gotcha. little little side hustle. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. I understand. I was just trying I mean, to figure out that it's yeah. tough to talk about guitars with people if you're not a if you're not a guitar nerd. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. No, he's kind of a guitar nerd, but you guys have a lot to overlap because he likes photography and, and stuff. Yeah. Actually, you know what, Mark, uh, with Andrew's permission, I'll send you a, a dynamite shot that he took of uh, my red snapper pedal yeah. okay uh, oh, yeah. send it pedal. andrew i i had never heard of that before i talked to mark um and he turned me on to it so he has an actual nice. uh or absolute original i have the handmade original that came out afterwards whatever but uh that's my all-time favorite oh, is this in an old one yours is like no. you well the guy that did it for metatone yeah. i can't remember his name he after the original um release yeah of uh, which I believe you have one. Yeah. Uh, then he did another limited release that he signed and they're all hand wired as well, but they were not part of that original stuff. And then I think it got into mass production stuff when they changed the number of knobs. I don't know, but he he signed it. It's all hand. You haven't opened it up yeah. to see the date on the inside? No. Do that. Look at the date. I like that. I, I don't open it. Let's open that up. 
I, I don't see there's this Mr. Brave guy because he can fix everything. I don't yeah. open stuff okay. up. If take it, it down works, tomorrow, great. he'll open it up for it's, you. I'll yeah. take it down it's tomorrow. It's four Phillips screws. It's, you can handle it. It's four little Phillips Yeah, I, yeah. You're good. I know. I know. <laughs> I will do that. But anyway, uh, Andrew took a, a great shot of this pedal. I think, would you take it out to some junkyard or something? Yeah. And anyway, really? I will. Yeah. yeah. No, I've it's, actually got the so print great. up on my wall. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I want I want Mark to see it because it is it's just so cool. And only people, uh, as a matter of fact, if you go on YouTube, there's a um, there's an interview. Uh, Premier Guitar does them like rig rundowns, but they talk to Dave Cobb, who's this producer in Nashville, right? And he's done all Jason Isbell's stuff. And so he's at Studio A in Nashville, and he's talking. He's going through, and he at one point he's talking about the Fender Tweeds and and don't turn them up above three and stuff. And then he pulls off a red snapper, and he said to the interviewer, "He goes, this is the overdrive. Like this is the overdrive that I love. This is right. the best." And the guy's like, "I've never heard of that. I don't really? even know what you're talking about." Yeah, he goes, "I never heard what you're talking about." I was I was going to call you because I was like, "Mark, that's the OD man." But you know how I found that pedal, right? Did I? That's, Lucinda Williams, guitar player. Yeah. Do you know him? I don't know him, but I I know one of my clients knows him or is is close with Lucinda's camp, let's say. And I said, well, do you have access to Doug Pettibone? I'd love to know what his, what's the secret to his tone? Because he was my, he used to be her guitar player and he was like, those are the best guitar tone albums I've ever heard. And you know, a day later, I get an email from Doug Pettibone. Hey, Mark, Joe told me you wanted to know about my tone. What can I tell you? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's <"Hey>, awesome. <laughs> you know, and so he said, yeah, it's uh, a red awesome. snapper. Make sure you get one of the early ones. Yeah. You know, versions. And right. uh, and yeah, put it through any any good tube amp and away you go. It's it's so, the best. And it stacks so well, too. Like if you're if you're doing different overdrives yeah. or whatever, and you have that that snapper somewhere in yeah. the line, it, it just gets better and better. Yeah, it's a great pedal. Yeah. It's super great. So, yeah, so yeah, send that over to him. Right I, I will. I well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll send him the picture that you took, and just so Mark knows what you're you're doing and you're a talented. Yeah, no, so. for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mark, That's thanks cool. so much, man. I yeah, just man. I appreciate you, you taking the time. And you're really nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. We'll see you sometime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All yeah. right, guys, have an awesome day. Mark, okay, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys. Over and out. Right. Cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.